Amen. God bless you. Amen. Let's give it up to the Lord as you take a seat. And uh, Corey, why don't you make your way on up here? Are you guys ever... Hey, just wait, wait, wait. Before you give a round of applause, because I want to be all at one time. Uh, is there ever something that you want to do, but you're so afraid that you'll just never do it? Anybody have anything like that? Like you want to do it, but there's just no way you could do it because you're too afraid to do it. That is me uh, with growing a beard. It's like... That's just too far for me to do it that I'm afraid to do it, but yet he rocks it. Corey, give it up for Corey. So here's the truth. I actually have no plan for the beard. It just kind of happened and, you know. The other truth is I actually don't like preaching. How's that for an introduction? Gavin and Kim ask me every year and I say no. Let somebody else preach. True, right? Gavin was a little persistent this year, though. So I kind of relented by about the third or fourth email. And um, so uh, preaching was a big part of my life for a lot of years. I've kind of put that into a little side thing. So uh, I don't know. Maybe the preacher will show up. We'll see, Dougie. I don't know. We'll see. But let me tell you some stories. I was reflecting this week. And um, this year was a big year for me because it was my 25th wedding anniversary to my lovely bride, Heather. We got, we got married on May 29th, which is also my birthday. <laughs> Strategic Planning 101. Take the class. <laughs> and uh yeah so i reflected a little bit on that in fact when i proposed to her i proposed to her on a beach in maui yeah go big or go home right don't be afraid of the beard grow the beard and i actually we went back there for two weeks we had dinner on the night that i proposed to her it's awesome you're very cute, huh? Yeah. How are you doing, Julie? Okay, good. So I reflected a little bit on that and, and life. And, you know, grew up in Delta, North Delta, home of the Mighty Huskies, and came to Jesus there. And, you know, I tell some Mark stories. Mark was my first youth pastor, and he, he fined me all the time and kicked me out. Come by my office, I'll tell you lots of stories. Dave was my first youth pastor or my young adults pastor, and when we came into the church, and, and Dave actually did our wedding. Do you remember that, Dave? I was thinking about this, because if you know my family, my family would be unorthodox in how they, are, they do things. So I remember in our wedding, and I don't know if, Dave, I think, was it you or Eldon who was serving communion? I think it was you. And so we're kneeling at the altar at our wedding, this holy, holy moment, and everybody's laughing. Do you remember this, Dave? And my brother, he wrote on the backs of my shoes, help me. <laughs> it was actually, it was brilliant. And... Uh, and in our family, that's, that's like high praise. It's like, okay, you got me, okay. Let's see what's next. 
And uh, so Heather and I, we went on this honeymoon, and we see if you can figure out the connection between these three places. We went to Israel for a week, we went to Denmark for a week, and we went to the UK for a week. And uh, so, you know, we went to Tel Aviv, and we went surfing all day. I tried to order pepperoni pizzas in Tel Aviv. That didn't go very well. Michael explained it to you. And, uh, you know, we did all the tourist kind of things. We went, walked around Jerusalem. We went to Masada. We floated in the Dead Sea, did all those kinds of things. And we actually spent a weekend, probably the highlight was, uh, I knew a guy. <laughs> His name was Rabbi Shlomo Riskin. And uh, you know that? He, um, wonderful guy. He had, a, he had a settlement in, just outside of Bethlehem, a biblical place called Ephrata which you'll find in Genesis. And so we, uh, we, we went and had Shabbat with him on the weekend and his family. It was, it was an amazing kind of thing. It was funny, though, coming in because if any of you have traveled with me, I tend to talk to people a lot. And during that time, it wasn't the best area, so we, we, you come through all of these different military stops. And the question they asked was, uh, Sir, do you, have, do you have armor on this vehicle? And I looked at Heather and I said, Absolutely, sir. <laughs> and then Heather looked at me as like, you didn't tell me about that part of the story. And I said, I just kind of learned that. Went to Denmark. As you know, I'm a proud Dane, so don't spell my name S-O-N. Those are the Swedes. We're Danes. We're proud Vikings. My grandfather came to Canada during World War One, 16. He uh, stowed away in a boat, came to Canada, and made his way across. He was in the, the lumber industry for a lot of years. Proud Viking Carl. He, uh, if any of you, have sil- anybody here skied Silver Star Mountain in Vernon? Okay, my grandfather was the original developer, Silver Star. Polson Park in Vernon was a chunk of my grandfather's land that he donated. And so we're going back and we were visiting all the relatives there and went to the family farm. And a place called Malrup, which is on Moss, by the ocean in the north. They were kind of Vikings and farmers. We went to the farm. We actually stayed in the farm where my grandfather grew up. And that farm had been in our family for 500 years. Went to the church down the road where our family all came to, to know faith at different levels. And it was, just, it, was a, it was an awesome thing just to visit the historical part. Then we went to the UK because... Heather's part of Heather's family, as you guys, some of you know, my wife's African, okay, South African, white South African, but uh, her family has five or six generations in South Africa, but they all came, they were Irish and Scottish missionaries, Presbyterian missionaries, who came and planted churches in South Africa, and those churches still exist today. So we were retracing some of those things. So we went to, went to Oxford and we walked around. We went to Stratford-upon-Avon, the birthplace of Shakespeare. And everybody here, most of you would know how much I enjoy the arts thoroughly. So we went and saw a Shakespearean play, of which I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, I, I did on my honeymoon, I fell asleep. Yeah. So we drove up to Wales, where Heather had... Uh, Lots of relatives and went up to, to Scotland. It's always interesting because that was the first time I've driven on the other side of the road. 
we were going to stay married after that because that was an exercise in something else. <laughs> and uh, then we came back. We had a day and a half left, and we stayed in London. And we ended up staying at the Strand Hotel on the Strand, which is the same hotel where Heather's great-grandparents stayed before they were deployed to plant churches in South Africa. So it was pretty cool. She got to visit kind of that heritage, and, you know, I like to chat it up with people. So I was chatting it up with the concierge guy, because you never know, right? His name was Tony. And so told Tony kind of a bit of our story and our ministry and what was going on, and we kind of hit it off pretty good. Good guy. He goes, you know, you know, Corey, my brother is the, uh, I can't remember what he called him, the, uh, the director of, of public services for Buckingham Palace. And he goes, you know, usually they invite in some media and some foreigners every morning at 6 a.m. into the palace. And the queen and some of the other royal family, if they're up, they normally come in and they have a little chat with you. I know you stay up, right? My wife's the same way. She stays up and watches the wedding stuff and the tea cups and <laughs> Diana and I don't know. It's the tea cup. Yeah, I don't know. It's all that kind of stuff. I don't get it. But she was really excited. And uh, I said, you know, if you give me your passports, my brother had just sent me a note and said I had two extra spaces. And if you'd be interested in doing that, that um, if you vet, you're not a criminal or something, we'll, uh, we'll see if we can get that done for you. So it was 6 a.m. We were flying out at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So timing worked perfectly. And so everything passed and it worked out. So if you can imagine how excited my wife was, all this British stuff. So, of course, she had to go shopping. Because what do you wear when the queen, for the queen, right? Like, I don't know. What do you, what do you wear? So, yeah, a hat. I had a baseball hat, but that wasn't going to work. <laughs> so really excited. And um, so the next morning, we were supposed to go to the palace by 5.30, and they would give us a little walkthrough. And what happens is the queen would come into one of their parlor chambers, and she would sit down, and there's only six or eight of you, and she'd have a little conversation with you. And occasionally, if there was other members of the royal family, they would come by through, and they'd have a little chat too. So really exciting. So Heather and I, we went to sleep that night, really excited. And uh, the phone rang in the morning. We looked up, and it was 6.05 a.m. And it was our friend downstairs who said... You know, um, did you guys sleep in? And we looked at Heather. We were horrified. Because it's like that moment where you have a test and you slept in and it was like a legitimate excuse. Yeah, somebody had a legitimate excuse, right? So we looked at each other and it was that moment where the adrenaline, you're like, did we... Just do that. Like, I can't believe we just did that. 
I can't believe that we had the chance to sit in the presence of royalty and we slept in. I said, you get where I'm going. You get where I'm going. We had the chance to be in the presence of royalty and we slept in. Oh, I think the preacher is starting to come out a little bit. Hi. Here's the secret to ministry. And if hear this, please. The secret to ministry is simply this, that we have to know and understand what it is to sit in the presence of royalty and to not sleep in. And I'm telling you, we have all kinds of graduates up there. Some have made it in and some haven't. But the secret, the longer that I go in this, is that I have to find the place to be in the presence of royalty. Because in the presence of royalty, every little thing's going to be all right. (laughs) Every little thing. And you know what? In the presence of royalty, God makes things right. You're going to have lots of bumps and bruises in ministry. There's going to be some blood on the floor. And it's going to be hard. And it's hard, and that's why not everybody does it. But you are here called by Jesus to do his good work. And the secret isn't about how good or how smart you are. It's not about how good looking you are. It's about this. Can you find the presence of royalty? And can you dwell in the presence of your heavenly father? Because it starts and finishes there. It really does. And that'll be the fight for the rest of your life. And I think too often in my own life, I sleep in. Now, all the stories were true except for the queen one. It was the queen. I, that's full disclosure. It was a good lead-in though, wasn't it? It's a great story. Come to one of my classes and I'll translate all my stories for you. It's not our kingdom. It's his. And I see sometimes a lot of people trying to build their own kingdoms. And I want to remind you, not who you are, but whose you are. And you are a child of a king. Your royalty when you sit around that table. And when you sit around that table, you can do anything because you are in the presence of royalty in the presence of the king. And I think we forget that too often, that God is able to do all things to all people, all times, all places. But it's about being in the presence of the king. So when you want to cry, come to the presence of God. When you want to weep, come to the presence of God. When, you, when something really bad happens to you, go to the presence of God. When you feel like sleeping in, wake up and get into the presence of God. Because your ministry will be defined on how able you are able to get into the presence of royalty. I see a lot of people give up. And I'm telling you, don't give up. When you feel like what well, you want to give up, get into the presence of royalty. You know, you know, I see a lot of people trying to build their own kingdoms. We need to dwell in the presence of the king. You know, God doesn't need Instagram. <laughs> you know that? 
God doesn't answer prayers because we put something on social media. He answers prayers because God's people are in the presence of the king. Have a look up there one day. You know, I remember in the second grad class, Sister Frances Clemo. And I remember as a 14-year-old coming home from school as an unbeliever, and she was sitting ministering to my mom. Wow. That lady knew the presence of God. And part of that, I come back to and I say, how do I, how do I become the most famous leader that nobody knows their name because they know the name of the king? Let me tell you another story. True story. (laughs) Most of my stories are true. Came across this, and it was a man by the name of Nicholas Winton. This was post-World War II. And he, um, he, he, he was a believer. He came from a Jewish background and during that time. And I, I was reminded of this because of what's happening in Pittsburgh, places like that. There was a lot of anti-Semitism. And during that time, World War II, we all know what was going on there. He, uh, he was a stockbroker, and he decided that he was going to do something. And so he ended up rescuing 669 children from what was Czechoslovakia back then, mostly Jewish children. And uh, he, he did this through a series of trains and bribed people and all kinds of things. But he got all of these children out of that place and he got them adopted into families in the UK. Here's the great part of that. That's an awesome story, standalone on itself. He, um, he, he, at the end of the war, he put away that memory. And going home, and now let's go forward 50 years. His wife is going through the attic, and she finds a book. She opens it, and it's the pictures and the names of all these children. 50 years later. And he goes, Winton goes, he goes, well, no, you can just throw that out. That was something that happened. She goes, no. That's important. This man, his character was, I did something and that was great. She ended up taking it to the, to the news and he was reunited with all of the descendants of those 669 children. It's, it was, it's like Schindler's List. In fact, he is, that, that man's name is in Yad Vashem with Oscar Schindler. You can go back and I think in 1988, it's moving to watch, it was a British, a British uh, show where all of those descendants came back to thank him. The most famous man that nobody knew. I challenge you to be that kind of leader. I challenge you to to find the presence of God. I challenge you to make disciples. You know, a couple weeks ago, in our intro class, some of you guys were in that intro class, right? I had my friend Alpha Kabir Bira come. And... uh, Alpha's story was he's from, he was from Uganda, the second Dabote. He, he and his family ended up leaving. He ended up in the African Children's Choir, came to Canada. Ended up in my youth group, that Delta youth group, which was, I had 12 awesome years of being a youth pastor. It was the, I wish I could go back. I, I just can't stay up that late anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, Doug? Yeah, I just I can't do it. And uh, so I hadn't seen Alpha for probably 
north of 22, 23, 24 years. I did see him once about 10 years ago in Blackcomb, where he spoke life over my, my boys. And uh, we'd come in contact with each other. And I said, well, Alpha, come on up, because he has this ministry that he does in Vancouver that says, that's called Help Change My City. Come to the class. Just share. I just want you to bleed. If you're in that class, that's true so far, right? That's pretty true. And Alpha is, man, that kid loves Jesus. He's part of our youth group and told the story of how he's helping the city. But here's the thing. I said everything. That Delta youth group, my God, Jesus did something remarkable there because it certainly wasn't because of any of us. And there's all kinds of disciples serving around the world during that time and that seasoning. Alpha did something that broke me. Every year, every week, I said the same thing to every person who came through that youth group. You know when you say stuff and you don't know? He repeats it. Per verbatim, the way I would say it. And he said, that changed my life. He said, the most important thing in my life is my relationship with God. Apart from that, everything else is irrelevant. And here's the thing. Everything else in your life is irrelevant except for that relationship with God. And in that relationship with God, if we know the King of Kings is sitting in his throne, and we have open access to the presence of God, the presence of God, we should be fighting every day to be in the presence of our King. If you're serious about this ministry thing, man, it's going to take its toll on you. Here's what's going to be the difference. The difference is, can you sit with the king? Can you? If you need healing in your body, go to the table and sit with the king. If you need to be filled by the Holy Spirit for anointing and power, don't read books. Yes, read books, but go to the presence of God and sit there and wait until God fills you with his Holy Spirit. And don't go away until he does. Because you believe in it so much and so utterly. One more story. <laughs> yeah, come to my class. It kind of goes this way sometimes. I was thinking, Dave, about India. I was thinking about, you know, sometimes we're so smart we don't want to listen to the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're so smart that we think we don't need the presence of God. And I'm always reminded of that every day to listen to what I call the whisper of the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And this was going back about 10 years ago. And uh, long trip, longer, I don't like trips longer than two weeks, but it was three weeks. And I was kind of all through the Middle East and parts of Asia. And I was coming back through India and I was at Calcutta Airport. Two weeks in, I was supposed to go to Jakarta. And, you know, I think... Maybe Surabaya, I can't remember where I was going. And I had this thing that said, Corey, you need to go home. Huh. So I did something that I've never done since or before. I changed my ticket and I decided to go back home. So here's the thing I'm sitting in the airport and I'm watching the news. Bomb goes off in Jakarta Airport, 12 people dead. Looking at my boarding pass. Same gate, same time. I don't know if you believe God's real or not, but I certainly do. 
And because I know that I'm fighting to get into his presence all that he can, because in my imperfection, when I get into the presence of God, I'm perfect because he's created me perfect. So let me leave something with you because we're supposed to, this is about Psalms, right? <laughs> it's kind of the evangelist comes out a little bit. You can see kind of my, you know, my uh, kind of a prophetic kind of giftings come out. Psalm 84. And I want to read it to you through a song that Mad Redman wrote. And it's a bit of a translation to Psalm 84. And you'll know this. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul longs and even faints for you. For here my heart is satisfied within your presence. I sing beneath the shadow of your wings. I encourage you to read Psalm 84 in light of these lyrics. One thing I ask and I would seek to see your beauty, to find you in the place your glory dwells, your glory dwells. My heart and flesh cry out for you, the living God, your spirit's water for my soul. I've tasted and I've seen. Come once again to me. I will draw near to you. I will draw near to you, to you. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. One day, oh, to be with you, to be with you. For here, my heart is satisfied. For here, my spirit finds new life. For here, I drink and I'm satisfied within your presence. Better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. So I ask you this. Learn to be in the presence of royalty and don't sleep in. Please. If you can do that, you're going to make it in this ministry thing. You'll have some great days and you'll have some bad days, but you're going to make it. You know, don't you worry about a thing. Every little thing's going to be all right. Okay? So here's what I want to leave you with. I want to bless you in the name of Jesus. Your, high, your calling is a high calling. You're anointed and appointed by Jesus. Find out what that is, and if you don't know what that is, get in the presence of God and don't leave until you figure it out. Wherever that is, you know, usually those places aren't in a place like this. It's by yourself, hearing the voice of your Father. And if you can get that right, you will be okay. So I'll leave you with that, and I want to bless you in the name of Jesus. And I ask you to be a blessing to all people and a blessing to all nations in the name of Jesus. Have a great day, guys.